0: I think when you mentioned the the control and the controllables, um we talked about that previously about what things were my fears and the sleep deprivation was with my fears and you know trying to visualize what that would look like um if I couldn't sleep what what could I put into place myself to help with if I couldn't sleep <laughs>
1: Welcome to helping organisations thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Sally Orange, who's been on the show before, and she's she's come back. Uh, good morning, to you, Sally.
0: Good morning, Julian. Thanks for having me back.
1: No, no, thank you for asking uh, for coming back, having me ask you. Uh, I just want to tell the audience briefly again uh, about you. if They've not already heard your previous episode. Uh, you're an endurance runner, adventurer, and a mental health campaigner, uh, and you've got multiple Guinness World Records. Uh, you've run over 50 marathons, completed 8 full four-hour man triathlons, and you've got a 22 years exemplary service in the Royal Army Medical Corps as well as a physiotherapy officer. Um, and that included an operational tour duty in Afghanistan. And so, yeah, welcome to the podcast. And We're going to be getting into the conversation about um, your challenge you did earlier in this year, which was uh, you ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents, which is a uh, an immense physical, but also probably more importantly, a mental uh, challenge. And I, and I just want to just get sort of right into that conversation, really, of, of, of just what and I'm, what was the why behind doing such a significant event? You know, people just doing one marathon is is, is a big challenge in itself, but doing seven in seven days all around the world is um, quite immense. So, yeah, what was the why behind that, um, Sally?
0: Yeah, I think I think for me, um, marathon running started almost on my my mental health journey and helped me with my my mental health. And I was someone who never ever thought that I could run a marathon. Um, I used to run at school, but then I broke my leg and didn't run for another 16 years. And the London marathon was sort of came about and I thought, yeah, I'd love to do that. But It just took a long time to pluck up the courage to to do it. But when I finished that first one, I remember thinking, wow, you know, that was amazing. I, I did it dressed as a superhero and I probably felt like a superhero for the very first time in my life. And I carried on and started doing... Lots more, and I do them dressed as pieces of fruit um, to raise awareness of mental ill health. I've had my struggles in the past, and I found that by dressing as different things, people would come and ask me why, and it really subtly started that conversation. And I, you know, people would say that they were maybe having a problem or they knew someone who was struggling with their mental health. And it, you know, just really subtly opened up the conversation. And as time went on, I realized I was doing it on different continents. So I'd got to the point where I had done a marathon on every continent dressed as different pieces of fruit. And then I saw this challenge where you could do seven marathons, seven continents, seven days. And to me, it was almost like the Everest of marathon running. And I thought, I want to do that. It took four years to get there. Um, it, you know, obviously, is very costly. And I thought, I really want to take that mental health narrative around the world there's a a global problem with people not talking about their mental health despite us all having it and so yeah I just thought this is a good way of being able to to take that message all all around the world and give myself a a pretty immense challenge in the in the, the same time as well
1: yeah, and I, and I know you—you've got a huge purpose about uh, mental health and, and and been advocates and your various charities, and you talk about that a lot. And uh, you take on these challenges to, to, to use to, I guess, create a platform for yourself. When you were taken on this challenge, what what was your, I guess, leading up to it? Your greatest fear before you took this challenge on, because there must have been certain aspects of the unknown, really, uncertainty of all that.
0: Yeah, and you know you're writing them with so many different fears along the way of so many different types so initially it was being able to get the the funding to to be able to go it wasn't it wasn't cheap and I kept hitting no 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 there was barriers in my way that the whole time um but it made me realize that sometimes you only need that one yes and it Creates the opportunity. If you've got that purpose and that drive, and you know why you're doing something, then it will allow you to keep chipping away. Um, and yeah, you know, sort of believe in yourself that you that you can do it. Then there is obviously the the physical element of it. That was a massive fear. I for for me, one of the biggest fears was going to be sleep deprivation, um, because the challenge. Some people have asked me. What hotels did you stay in? There wasn't time for hotels. You were literally did the marathon, got back onto the plane, flew to the next place, did the marathon, and you were changing from Antarctica, where it was minus 50, and it was blowing a gale, so they had to shorten the course to just a mile, so it was up and down a a mile, straight onto um, Cape Town in South Africa, where it was plus 50. Um, So there was big you know big differences in temperature but that didn't strike me too much as a fear because i'd done things in different extreme extremes before but it was the the fear i suppose of once i'd got a main sponsor of not wanting to let them down Mm. and to try and do everything that i could to make it possible um for, for me to be in my best position to be able to to do it which um as you know, didn't all go to plan. And I, I think the best laid plans never actually go to plan, uh, which is how we got to got to meet because I was diagnosed with a stress fracture um a couple of months beforehand. So my physical training had to had to stop. And so that was a huge fear. How if I'm not able to train for this physically, am I going to be able to get around this massive challenge. Um, And so that's when, you know, I I contacted you and we started working together. And I realized, actually, even though it's a massive physical challenge, if you have the right mindset, then you can still get over obstacles which is what I ended up going to to do I certainly wasn't the fastest I wasn't the fittest but I did complete it and I was the the first female veteran to ever complete it and one of only five British women that have ever completed it so yeah I was was really proud um on on completing it
1: and you should be proud because it's a fantastic um achievement to have done whether you're the first, second, doesn't really matter. You did something quite significant and you set out to do it. And so you should, you should be so proud of yourself. Um And interesting, you want to go back to that point when you get getting no's because, you know, people might not have a challenge as such as this, but they'll have certain challenges in whether in their personal life or in their business. And they keep persisting at something. They're getting all these no's. How did you keep going? What was it that kept you going, and the sort of almost turned those no's into yeses that got the funding and overcome all the sort of barriers before you even got to the actual start of the race? So I can understand some of the, I guess, strategies that you employed that that helped you keep going.
0: Yeah, it it was almost um, celebrating them the, the little successes. You know, so many of the sponsors or people I contacted didn't even reply, so. When I did get a reply, that was better than when I didn't get a reply, even though it was a a no, um, it was still more positive than than a definite no. Um, And then I'd have, you know, slight inroads and I'd get smaller um, amounts of response, but I think it was really breaking it down. And it was some of the things that you taught me, Julian, which was the the cookie jar um, of the the small wins in in life. Um, And and I use that very much on on the challenge. So the the cookie jar that you told me about was David Goggins. Um, And it's using things that you have done in the past that you have achieved so that when you're struggling at a time and thinking, I can't do this, you dip into that metaphorical cookie jar because we let's face it we all like um a a cookie when things are you know it's a bit of a comfort comfort food when when things aren't going so well and uh, yeah i you know i just had to think well you know you have got there before with previous projects and i remember on one of one of our calls um you were getting me to to say what the cookies were to put in that jar and so for the challenges it was well, well i'd actually yes, I had completed the Marathon to Saab and I had completed a marathon in Iceland and I had skied across the Finnmark Plateau. And then I remember coming back to you saying, oh yeah, I forgot actually, I ran the length of Iceland. Um, <laughs> it's amazing what you can forget, it just isn't on on the tip of the tongue, but I, that for me was a really invaluable uh, strategy that I used not just on that occasion with the, with the sponsorship, but also on the actual event as well, um, you know that that whole breaking it down, and certainly in my fourth marathon, um, which was Madrid. Apologies, it was Dubai, and it was along the boardwalk, and I was really, really struggling with my my stomach. And there was unfortunately a bit of a bug went round, and quite a few of us got it. And it was mile six, and I just thought, I'm really struggling. I can't. I can't do this. And along the boardwalk were lots of lamp posts. And those lampposts became my best friends. I would run to one lamppost and then I would walk to another lamppost. And then I'd walk to a lamppost and run to the next one. And for three miles, I wasn't looking at finishing the marathon. I wasn't looking at the next three marathons I had to do on three continents. After that, I was looking at that lamppost. And I got through those three miles and then... Another strategy that I had, which I call the, the power of distraction, was a friend came and joined me and she ran with me for the last six miles of the marathon. She was in her flip-flops, so it shows that I wasn't going that quickly. But we chatted. I hadn't seen her for years and we chatted and chatted and it, it just took away the pain or the, the enormity of the of the event and got to the finish line with a, a smile on my face and yeah, you know, I still distinctly remember those lampposts becoming my friends. And I think whatever you're doing, you mm. can, can break it down. And I, I know with my my mental health in the past, I've had to do the same. And that was getting out of bed or or, or facing a day. Mm-hmm. And that was literally thinking, right, well, just have a shower. It doesn't matter if you don't wash your hair in the shower you'll have had a shower because that was too immense for me to think I'm going to have to get out of bed into the shower, wash my hair, dry my hair and then get on with the day. And I thought, well, actually if you can just get into the shower at this point, even though at the time I was still crying, um, it was better than not getting out of bed at all. So yeah, just celebrating those, those little successes. um, And Just breaking things down and going right that sponsor said no but there are thousands of others Mm. um, your values might align more to to who and what they are can't say it's easy but when you know why you're doing it then you'll keep going with it
1: yeah and there's a there's a great lesson there in that way you broke it down that that three miles into those lampposts and they became your friend um because i think often we get caught up with you know, the big dream, the big vision, the big objective, the big outcomes. And it can, you know, you weren't caught up with finishing the whole seven marathons or even that marathon itself. And I think, because if in essence we're not in control of that, we have no controller of what's ahead of us, in essence. All we're in control of is the now, which is you went into the now. And I think often we forget that we need to get more in the now. And I know talking to, you know, XAS sort of, um, uh, people they talk about their one meter square. Just worry about your next one meter square. And that's the important thing is you worry about your next what next lamppost. That's the only bit you're in control of. And it's a real lesson of breaking things down and not getting too caught up on the end in sights. You know, I remember doing my first marathon just thinking, okay, it's just next step in front. That's all I can do. Next step. I, can do. I don't have to worry about the end at the moment. We have the end in mind at some point, but uh, it's not what we're in control of. We're in control of them now, and that's, and that's a that's a really valuable lesson. Um, and it's great that you were tough. Uh, you were facing a real tough challenge on your stomach, and you did that um, during I the. the, the... You... Go, so carry on. You... Sorry, I think
0: when you mentioned the the control and the controllables controllables, um, we talked about that previously about what things were my fears and the sleep deprivation was with my fears and you know trying to visualize what that would look like um if i couldn't sleep what what could i put into place myself to help with if i couldn't sleep but we had a situation that came about that i had not thought about at all but the learnings behind what you taught me of being able to control the controllables um, and not worry about the uncontrollable so after on after Antarctica, we'd use one plane to get to Antarctica, and then it was going to be the same plane that took us all around the world after that. It's like problem in that plane was delayed in getting to Cape Town. So we got a text message saying, bit of a problem. Our plane is delayed um, by, I think it was 12 hours at, at this point, which you could go, well, I did. I was like, wow, well, look at the positives of this. We we get to have a bed tonight. What it does mean is our last three marathons on three continents had to be done within 36 hours. So I was like, well, listen to what Julian, Julian told me. There's nothing I can do about that. And you've got a bit of time now to, to rest although we had to be out of the hotel because we'd booked our hotels thinking that we were leaving and I couldn't rebook that and I thought okay you've got this time go and have a facial and a massage because you'll be lying down you'll be resting you'll be relaxing your mind and just make the best of the of the situation um and yeah you know that you you came into my mind of thinking, well, we didn't think about this one, did we? This wasn't one that, but the learnings and the lessons that you taught me meant I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't suddenly magic a plane to get there or, you know, the, the organisers were doing everything they could to get the plane. Because obviously, you know, they've got a lot of clients who are, who were on this this event? So yeah, it was just a case of going. Well, can't control that, but let's make the best of a bad situation. Um, I was still resting. I was still lying down, and yeah, managed to to get you know prepare myself for for when the plane did arrive, and we'd still got those those extra five marathons to do.
1: Yeah, and it's great that you, you sort of reframe that, isn't it? and you took the moment to actually do a bit of rest and recuperation, and actually can't do anything about this, but I can do something about me resting. If I fret about it, get frustrated or angry, that's not resting, is it? And so actually it's, and it, it's, it's sometimes, you know, and I always say to people, a lot of my clients, it's easy to sometimes say these things, but actually when you're doing and you did it, um, and there's a bit of self-discipline in there that you did the actual, okay, I can't control that. I can control this. I can rest. That's all I can do. Nothing else I can do. And and it's, it just take a little bit of, um willpower to, to do that sometimes uh, it's not that easy um,
0: well, another, another time when i did react you know again the reframing of situations um there was another time when we were in madrid and because we'd been delayed so that was the the fifth marathon we'd been delayed so much that we were supposed to be going around a formula one racing track um in madrid but that was no longer available because we were so much more, more so late so much later um so we ended up having to do 33 laps of a housing estate in madrid which wasn't quite so scenic and it was also very hilly and again my stomach really played up and from mile eight i can honestly say i cried from mile eight to the end um and then i really had to reframe it i remember in my training, I'd listened to quite a few podcasts, and one podcast in particular was a, a, a woman who was in a wheelchair, and she'd been asked if you could have your old life back and you could walk, and what what would you do? And she said that she would love to go for a walk with her mum. And I remember this, and I remember just thinking, "Here I am in Madrid on this incredible event. Yes, I'm walking, but..." How lucky am I to be able to walk? Yes, I'm walking and crying. Yes, I've got a painful stomach. I'm throwing up, and while I'm doing that, but some people would give anything to be able to do that. And so that was again the reframing came in, and I just I got to the end, um, and tomorrow was a was another day. And I think we we've all got that hundred percent track record of getting through a day because we're there to see the next day um, in
1: in the morning yeah and it's that sort of gratitude as well isn't it you're sort of grateful for what you've got and i think sometimes you know in the moments when things are tough um is to be you know grateful for what you do have rather than thinking about what you don't have and and we know there's some physiological impacts on our on our our mental health and our, our positivity through um sort of neuro neurotransmitters that, that gives us that positive uh, feeling. So actually being grateful, and you know the practice of <clears throat> of gratitude is is so vital. Uh, and what I like about it is some real science behind it. It's not just a, a woo woo thing. It's actually a reality. But yeah, being grateful, and I, I think you must have at times, and you of moments where did you have any sort of self doubt or thoughts i'm going to give up i i just can't do this anymore whether you're not feeling well or it's just just too much and just again was there a moment at that and then how did you deal with that just a short interruption to the episode to let you know that this podcast is brought to you in association with Lodge Court, who are experts in HR support. Are you worrying about employee performance, absences and leave? Are you struggling with attracting and retaining the best talent for your business? I personally know the people at Lodge Court and they can support you with every people issue you may face. So focus on what you do best and let Lodge to deliver your HR support as an extension of your business with a tailored, flexible monthly retain package that is right for you and your people. Now back to the episode.
0: I don't really remember, although although I was struggling and I was in pain, I think I, because I wanted to get this message all the way around the world, um, I you know, wanted every continent to have had a marathon done it where... You know, I was either dressed as something different, um, and could could shout about the fact that people in every continent struggle with their their mental health. So, I, the purpose and the drive was just so so much be behind it um, that, as I said, I, I, you know, I I don't think I. Well, I. I, I it's amazing what you forget. I think that's the power of the mind as well. I'm sure there was, you know, at, at the times, but I was really lucky that everybody else during the event was really upbeat and they seemed to have the same mindset that when when the plane didn't arrive, I wasn't faced with, you know, 40 other people going, oh, it's ridiculous, you know, we didn't have people moaning. Everybody just accepted it. So whether everybody had the same mindset and we were just all in it together that really helped um but if I go back yeah the the self-doubt was actually probably before the event with that stress factor in my foot um and so not not necessarily on the event because I'd trained my mind and physically as much as I could but again it was looking at what I could do so with the stress fracture I contacted my local hospital they had an anti-gravity treadmill so I psychologically could still feel that I was running I was running on a treadmill but I was only 70 percent of my body weight so that was a big time when I did think I don't think I'm going to be able to, to do this and and that's where it's great having people like you to remind you and go yeah, but remember when you did say, I, "I don't think I'm going to be able to do this," um, because that's the brilliance of our brain that it, it can forget those things when you when you have achieved something, mm. and and I think for me now I've started to um, to realise the lessons that can be learned if things don't always go to plan, and even if they weren't achieved. So we'd sort of talked about having because I'd done around the world wants every continent a marathon dressed as a piece of fruit. I decided that my first marathon in Antarctica was going to be as a pod of peas because I was going to be frozen. Um, and I thought, you know, it's worked so well with the fruit that why don't I do it dressed as vegetables? And I thought on this challenge, it would be too much to do all of them dressed as different vegetables because this is a you know an immense challenge, and I I didn't want to be stupid and flippant and oh I can I can do this. Mm. So that almost served as a as a different purpose as well. That had I not have completed all seven, it would have been the start of another journey. Because Antarctica is the most the hardest to get to, I'd completed the Antarctica marathon, so that was the start of another project. Which I can do in slower time, and that was sort of a bit of a safety net for me, so that I didn't go into a, you know, real deep depression after and feeling a failure because it was the start of another project at at the same time, and that for me was really helpful, um, as almost like as I say, a safety net, a fallback, Um, and yeah. So so there were concerns, else I wouldn't have put those in in place. the power of the mind that forgets the the things that were quite so tough uh, when you've actually completed something. Uh, I people say I don't have children, but people say it's the same with childbirth that mm-hmm. you know, the pain that there is with the actual the birth that gets forgotten forgotten when the baby arrives and and people go on to to go and do it again. So yeah, I, I think that's that, that's a really powerful an, analogy to me.
1: And you talked about some of the challenges obviously along the way and, and some of the internal stuff. Did you face, whether that's prior to the event or, or during the event, um, I guess negativity from others? Because obviously sometimes other people can't always see what we're doing or why we're doing it. And interestingly, was there any negativity uh, from those around you? But also how did you deal with that? Because I think often we, we get into you know, big visions for our lives. And people look at you and go, oh, you can't do that. Oh, that's not good. Why are you doing that? And, and it's, it's dealing with that because that's a reality. And I was wondering if you had that challenge and how did you deal with that challenge?
0: Yeah, I, you know, whenever I told people what I was going to do, they'd say, that's not possible. And I'd say, well, you know, they said just the flights alone, that would take up seven days to get there and that will tire you out without doing the the seven marathons. I knew it had been done before. So it it was something that that could be done. And I had researched this. I hadn't gone into it blind of just going to just going to do this. Um I knew there was a company that flew you around all these these different places. And yeah, it was going to be a challenge. And that's why I was doing it. You know, the jet lag, the jet lag alone was difficult Um, but i think it was something that at the time when you were doing it i think it you know it's like anything that's a a big challenge when you're in it um i i just kept going with it just had to you know had to keep going it was after it it was difficult after and it did take a bit of time mentally and physically um to to recover from it because i think it was 16 different time zones that that we flew through at the times and and sometimes it was two o'clock in the morning when you were running or it might be you know eight o'clock at night when you when you start you just had to put that behind you um but yeah I you know the negativity of others and I think probably the negative negativity with the the sponsors that they weren't interested either because it it couldn't be done or that, that in itself is a negativity. No, we don't want to be involved. Um, I don't know what their remit was for, you know, it might be budget. It might be the lack of belief in the project. But instantly, any lay person that I told I was go- going to do it, I say any lay person, any other marathon runner would also be saying, that that, that can't be done. Um, but I think when you mix with the right people and you – Talk to the right people and do your your research. You you find your own belief, and I knew it could be done um, because it it had been been done before. Um, so I, I'd always always got that in belief. It was whether I could do it as well as those other people who who'd done it before. And and I do believe there's lots of people in this world who are very good at saying I would love to do that, or it's all right for you to go and do that there was massive sacrifices that i had to make to be able to to go and do it mm-hmm. um and i would just never belittle anyone's aspirations and what what they want to do just because i don't necessarily want to do what they want to do i think it's great that people have a vision of what they'd like to to go and achieve and it's what it, what keeps us driving forward and motivates us to do to do more so so yeah it was lots of lots of naysayers um but it was it was my own inner belief that i had to believe in um, and surround myself with those people who would uh, encourage it and and help me get to get to the end
1: because it is tough when you've got the naysayers around you and often people say well just don't associate with those naysayers but sometimes those naysayers are very close to us. <laughs> so um it's not so easy. Um and, and it's trying to turn that negativity into a into a challenge, isn't it? Turn it into something well, not just oh, I'll prove you, but actually take that negativity as an energy source. And go, okay, I'll I'll use that as a way of keeping me going, as a way of of positive. I'll turn it, I'll flip it, I'll flip the script on it and go, okay, I can okay, I can see why you don't see what I see, which is fine. And because perhaps I've not explained it well enough or you don't have that confidence, but I, that's okay. But I'll show you by demonstrating, not in an arrogant way, not in a think that's all way, but it, it is tough. And I think sometimes it's those around us and, it, and then it's getting around people who, you know, believe in you. And I know and I work with you, you know, I, as much as I think it's a huge challenge, I want to talk to people about you uh, in that sense. <laughs> people always they hear this seven hour, the seven marathons, seven seven days, and they go seven. And they go, what? And it is a it's a real <laughs> showstopper in a conversation, and 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 which is great. Um, and and that's okay. That's fine. People initially think, wow, it's amazing. Uh, and even when I was working with you, there's always that you know. And I said to you when I was working with you, you're not in control. I'm not in control of you completing this. All we can do is work on in the now stuff and give you strategies to help you overcome those moments. Um, and I remember hearing that, you know, the plane had delayed, and it all knocked everything out of kilter. I think, oh my goodness, that's just a you can, you can do nothing about it. And I thought that's just going to scupper everything. But fortunately, they they got there, and you got there as well, which was was fantastic. Um,
0: I've got your I've got your little voice, and I think that's why I thought well, I'll go and get a facial. And a, uh, <laughs> what, what can you what can you do? But I I think it's the bigger part of it that now I have achieved it, and people that didn't think it was possible and have seen that it is possible, that they can hopefully be inspired by that. And if they yeah. then think they could never run a marathon, and it doesn't have to be a marathon, you know, marathon's my my thing. Um, it, you know, it, whatever it is, that's the great thing about it is that you can, can break it down and make it relatable to a marathon. Life is a marathon, um, you know, and that's why we have the, the knowledge of, you know, life is a marathon, not not a sprint. But I, I think I always have in the background my my mental illness. And when I was so unwell with my depression, and nothing ever seems as bad as as that. So, if I didn't achieve it, yes, it would have been disappointing, and a lot of expense would have would have gone into it. But I would be still be here to live for the next day, and with my depression, uh, you know, I got to the point where I'd written a suicide note. I was, you know, in in taken to hospital under the care of the psychiatrists, and I wasn't thinking that I would get through through another day. So it's perspective as well, mm-hmm. and whilst it meant so much for me it meant so much because I didn't want other people to get to that point in their life where they want to take their life. Uh, and I think all too often with with these things is that you, it's, you don't get help until you get to the crisis points. Mm. I, I love the saying that you wouldn't learn to swim in a storm. So why do we allow it that you get to the worst point possible with your mental health before you then get help and you can't take on that you know I couldn't take in the information that I was being told so if you know you're prepared for these things then it makes it so much easier than if you're in that time when everything is uh, you know which, which is what this whole challenge was about it was the preparation yeah. for it, and I'm I'm not known for my preparation for for challenges because I'm just like, well, I'll just just give it a go. And, but this was something big, and it was something that involved other people. And I, I think for me, that was something that it wasn't just me. It was, well, you know, I told people about it, and that I don't know if you remember was yeah. was a massive challenge for me, and we talked about for for a long time that I had to tell people I was doing it because I just wanted to keep it quiet, but then it wouldn't have the impact, um, of, of doing. And I've kept a lot of my challenges in the past quiet and then maybe told people after I've done them,
1: Mm. whether
0: I've been successful or not, but I just haven't wanted people to think, Oh, look at me, look at me. Um, but now I would like people to know that they can do, they can do more than they think they can, because if I can do it, then, than anybody else can as well
1: yeah and that's a, that's a great lesson because often we you know we hear lots of people do great amazing things and, and tell of the events afterwards when they've succeeded but actually sometimes the good to it takes courage to and i remember we had that conversation and i sort of challenged you about putting it out there now because there's there's an unknown to it because a it gets your attention but also well now i've got to do it, but also well, if I don't do, it, everybody knows I've not done it, and it and, and there's a bit of the ego in there in terms of that. And, but it, I think it's healthy because then sometimes things don't work out, and that's okay, and it's good to see and I think it's good to have role models that things don't work out, <clears throat> and therefore actually it's okay to fail or i, I don't see failure more as feedback or you try something didn't quite work out the first time and you try it again and etc it took you four years to get to this just this, this event anyway um i just want to go back to the the mental health piece where you know you, with your own sort of experience and you know people might be listening to right now maybe in a maybe it may not be in a place where it's not great for them or there may be no others who are not in a great place. And you'd said about, you know, not, not learning to swim in a storm, which is a, a great analogy, but how do we, I guess, have that conversation? What what's the best way of going about it from your experience, personal experience of being on the other end, but also your interaction with those people along the way in your journey as well. I, th-
0: I think it's, it can be really difficult at the moment. There's very much about, you just need to talk. You just need to talk often. You don't, want to talk what's really important is actually needing to listen as well so on both parts listening and talking are really important so i wouldn't i was closed off to listening that people are saying you're not yourself you um we think that you need to get help it was this blinker i don't i don't want to acknowledge that um but also if somebody does want to talk for for the the person who's struggling if they do find themselves talking Often the other person is worried, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I mention the word suicide, if they then go and do it? I've put that idea in their head. That is not the case at at all. Um, And just being there to listen and to offload and then potentially to signpost, um, you can't help people unless they tell you what's wrong. And That that was something that I found on the day in, in Madrid um when it was the really tough marathon I found a really interesting experiment and it I had a lot of time to think on that one because it took me a long time but I was crying as I was going round, and all the other runners because you saw each other all the time because it was 33 laps they would go past and some would say you're okay and I'd be like no and they would carry on anyway and then some would say you know you, you, you're doing okay you're all right. And I'd say no, not really. And they would stop and say, "Is there anything I can do to help?" And I'd say, I don't, "You know, I don't know what to do, with my stomach." And they would give offer suggestions and then go on their way. And there were some that would stop and say, um, "You know," and then walk with me for quite quite a few. And it was me that it was me that then say, "Look, you please go on because I don't want this to impact you." But I now, from my mental health struggles, know actually, so many people like to help other people. So if you tell someone that you're struggling, you're offering the opportunity for them to feel good about themselves because they're helping you. Um, And what I had to learn, or what I did remember to think with the the Madrid Marathon was that some of them, all of them were doing marathons themselves. So they were all struggling as well. So they've got their own things going on in life. And some people, it's just in their makeup to carry on. And others are there to stop and, and help others and get you get you across the line without a detriment, whatever detriment it is to themselves. And I just found it fascinating um, but if I didn't tell people I was struggling, how could they even help me? You know if, I, right. if I'd just gone, you know how it, if they'd have gone past that, how are you doing? Yeah, fine. Well, I've told them I'm fine so why would they think there is anything and I think that's why we sometimes we have the passive aggressive in relationships where you know you're okay yeah fine um when actually clearly clearly you're not but the, the so the key points there I would say that listening is just as important to to talking and sometimes for me I, I didn't want to be in the room with anyone but I didn't want to be on my own either and that was a really difficult situation Ooh. because how do people know what to do when you don't want to be on your own but you don't want to be you don't want to be with people so that's where actually just being in the room with other people or in the house with other people had played a, a really big part right. and things like maybe just doing a jigsaw um you didn't have to talk but you're doing something together mm. and you're yeah you th- that was something that I I realized later ah, this would have been good because I could have been in the same room with someone. Um, it wasn't on my own. It wasn't too taxing. Um, and yeah, other times I'd just have, you know, when the TV was too much for me, people might say, just look at the colours on the TV. You don't try and get the, you know, the ins and out of the storyline of the programme. Just look at when you see anything red, just notice yeah. it to yourself. So yeah, just different strategies, depending on how well or unwell um that that you are but yeah the key is listening as much as um as talking and you won't say the the wrong thing if you're if your intentions are are well-meaning
1: mm-hmm. that's really helpful advice actually i think sometimes and that sometimes just being with somebody is just as impactful as saying something trying to fix them sort it out come to some ideas solutions so i think some people feel they need to be able to help and we all have this in, in a innateness to help people. But actually, you might not be able to help them, but actually just by grabbing their arm, hugging them, whatever it may be, or just, say, doing a jigsaw, that can be really quite powerful in itself um, and not feeling you have to do anything. You know, we're human beings, so let's be a bit more being with each other and interact that way as well.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Um, as you reflect back, I know this was back in February, this, I think, event, wasn't it? Um when you look back and think about the events and you've just been explaining some of the ways you've overcome the challenges um what, what are the sort of key lessons f- about yourself have you learnt uh from this event and challenge
0: that you are capable of to, well to believe in yourself i think is um is the main one um and and also to be yourself so for me. Antarctica as a pod of peas and Miami as a as an orange that is what I do now and and in fact in in Antarctica everybody was you know every part of you had to be covered because it was so cold so your nose had to be covered and then your goggles on top so no one knew who anyone was they all knew who I was because this great big pod of peas would come come together it would come running running along and yeah it was that at times, I I hated who I was, but now I've come to realise I can only be me. I can't be anyone else because they're all taken. And just believe in yourself in in different ways, both physically and psychologically. I think that was probably one of the biggest lessons. I I did do. Um, I spoke to a couple of people after, and they. Really nicely came up with seven key points of resilience that I had learned from the seven seven marathons, and that was to reframe the experience, uh, to learn what makes you get through those tough times. That's where you put them back into your your cookie jar, the power of distraction, celebrating your success, breaking challenges down into bite-sized pieces, sometimes needing to improvise, adapt, and overcome and as i say finally believing in your yourself and when that all came together i thought that's a really nice little package of the the things that i have learnt done used and could hopefully pass on to others whatever their situation whether it be business whether it be a, a relationship whether it be personal um you know health um and that yeah i look back on them now and think that's really nice to to sum it up um and i, I like the number seven <laughs> so with it being seven marathons, seven continents seven days the seven learnings that that came from all of that
1: and it's, it's great that the fantastic seven i know you've written an article on that as well which is uh fantastic um and i think we we often in life we go through very quickly don't we and actually taking time out to sit down and what did I learn and and have used the seven because you did some days and marathons and seven continents actually to take those lessons and I think we need to sometimes stop reflect pause a bit and just what am I learning from what I've been through whether that was a you know a, a positive experience or even a, a challenging experience what have I learned about myself who I am what I do uh, I think it's important to do that and just be individuals who learn I think for me resilience is not just about Grit, determination, getting back up and bouncing back. For me, it's more about the learning piece, uh, and that's what you did and you adapted. And I know working with you was was an absolute joy because you're just like a sponge in terms of learning, and you put things into practice and you did it on the event and you you succeeded. Um, And you know, Sally, you've done an amazing thing, and I I think I think the, the world of you, all the challenges you do, and how you just do so much. And I don't know how on earth you get into the places where you get into and the people you get next to it just I always say to my wife, it astounds me It's like, how does sunny get there again and, and and i'm 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 part of your who you are as well. I'm glad to be part of what you've done and and, and the friendship we've, we've got now um if people want to connect with you and get in touch with you what what's the best way of doing that?
0: Well, first of all, thank you very much for your for your kind words. I, I just want to say to anyone listening to this, if you do have a struggle or have a big challenge, that you know Julian is the most amazing person to to work with. This isn't mutual appreciation. It just is. <laughs> it, it got me. It got me through the challenge. And there were times when I didn't think that I I would. As I say you forget those a little bit but yes on linkedin i am sally orange um on instagram i'm actually now sally orange MBE because as of four weeks ago um i was incredibly incredibly honored and proud to have received a, a letter yeah saying that um I'm now a, a member of the the British Empire, which is something that someone like me who was at the point of suicide didn't ever think would would happen and it's you know thanks to people like you Julian who who help others with with what you're doing. So yes, Sally Orange on most platforms, but um rather than me having to have Sally Orange with a zero, I now thought I can be Sally Orange. I just had to put the MBE after to make it um one, one W. so uh, so yeah, so thank you
1: for that well thank you for coming on thank you for sharing your lessons and uh, again well done on such an impressive challenge and all the challenges you do thank you sally
0: thank
1: you thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode if you like this episode then please rate review and share it with your friends and colleagues as a coaching practice i coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions and it will help you go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation. You can contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.